when I was a young lad, my parents owned these businesses way down in Florida. And we would take these really, really long car trips, and I had lots of time to dream and wonder in the back seat of the car. We'd see these semis that we'd pass, and I dreamt what it would be like to be a truck driver. I wanted to be a truck driver when I grew up. So, okay, my friend, you too are on the road of life. You too are on a road of life. What do you see where you, when you're driving down the road? What do you see out your window? What are the things that you concentrate on? If you're young, you might be thinking about your friends and you might not know it, but you actually think about who you are and figuring that all out. If you're a little bit older, you might be thinking about work or your family or events. These are some of the things you might think. Or you might think about the pain you have. Oh my goodness, you have a history that haunts you or you have a severed relationship or someone that you care very deeply about is going through something hard. Or you might actually have physical pain and it, you might be in one of those traffic circles where you go round and round and, uh, Lord help me. Here's another story. When I was in university, I was in search for the truth. The truth. How does this all work? How does it work? Soon, my pursuit turned into a thirst for God. I started poring over scriptures. And I was reading the scriptures and I go, I look at this one word, or these two words, Asherah pole. Does anyone here know what an Asherah pole is? Well, not many. So I get in the car later on, I'm about to go somewhere, and I turn on the radio, and then the radio says, an Asherah pole is a sacred, and it continues on to explain it. God surprised me, he answered my prayer, or my question. I was thirsty for him, I pursued him. God surprised me. My friend, I encourage you to seek God. He will answer when you knock. He will. Take the time to wonder and seek him. Be surprised. Another story. It's a God story. Many people here have God stories. This is one I witnessed. This fellow came up for prayer. He sat beside me. I never met him before. He sits, he starts talking, and then I turn to him and I say, Are you struggling with an addiction of Anna? I said the addiction name. He looks into me. Surprise. How did you know? And yes, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. So we prayed together and asked God. A few months later, I'm walking into the grocery store. He's coming out and he looks at me and yells, I'm free. Praise God. He was free from his addiction. He was healed. You know, he came up for prayer for something else. And then God surprised him with this. So, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit? What does this word redeeming pit, what's this all about? Well, the pit is maybe not something you think. In this verse, it's referring to death, death sorry, or destruction. It's a metaphor for death. David had times, the fellow who wrote this scripture, he had times in his life where he was running for his life, trying to avoid death or destruction. As for the word redeemed, it's kind of like three things. The Bible talks about a beautiful story in the book of Ruth, where Ruth, she was in bondage, or um, she had a bad situation, was very bleak. So bondage. And then Boaz was the redeemer who came and made a payment. So there's some sort of bondage, 
the Redeemer and payment. So now, if you read the book of Ruth there, you'll see that her future is bright. Before it was bleak. So when you're driving down the road in your life, do you see bleakness in front of you or brightness? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who redeems your life from the pit. Let's look at some scripture. Ephesians 1. So, in verse 4, we'll, oh no, we'll go to verse 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all actually all about God and what he's doing in us. Moving on, who has blessed us? Who has blessed us? So you might be thinking, how has the Lord God blessed me? Hmm. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to the sonship through Lord through Jesus Christ. So let me simplify this brief. I'm going to simplify. So imagine you're walking through the neighborhood, right? You have a backpack on, okay. You might have some luggage. And you're walking, and you're walking, and you look to your right, and you see this big house, okay? And God's in it. He's inviting you. So he's inviting you. And so he, you got to know this, he predestined, he made a boundary at the door. He made it beforehand. And he made a way for you to come into his house. Once you're in the house, then he's going to say, you are my child. You have all the rights of all of my other children. You are my heir. That's what verse 4 is talking about. So how do you actually get in the house? How do you get past this threshold? Let's keep on reading. In accordance with his pleasure and will. Beautiful. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. So praise God, he has given you a gift, a free gift, but you need to make the decision to accept it. Do some work to accept a free gift. Let's continue reading. Maybe we'll find out how you actually can get in this house. In him we have redemption through his blood. Ah, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The riches, God is so rich. And that he lavished on us. Okay, so remember the three things there? Um, bondage. You and I are in bondage. We all have sinned. Jesus is the Redeemer. He redeemed and he made payment for you and I. And the Bible talks about, for the wages of sin is death. So Jesus paid. It cost him dearly. It doesn't stop there, this whole redeemed thing. There's more. Verse 13. When you believe, you are marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so listen here. You might, some of you might not understand this. So um, remember when you come into the house and God puts the Holy Spirit beside you, alongside you, or the Holy Spirit. So in the book of John, it explains how Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as an advocate. It's like an expert lawyer. So he's there helping you, beside you. Is everything perfect in your life? No. Does the Holy Spirit fix everything in your life? No. Well, maybe not from your perspective and your timing and everything. But he fixes some things. But most of the time, he is just beside you, your advocate, and helps you walk. He gives you power to overcome temptation, for example. He gives you power to resist the evil one. There's always a way out. More can be said, but I will say this. Learn to listen to God 
and his spirit. Here's an example. There are times that I'm about to say something to, let's say, talking to someone over here about another person. I don't really know their story. I'm about to gossip. That's what it was. And then God puts the spirit inside me and he says, stop. You know, so sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. Here's a second example. For the times I don't listen to him, the spirit comes and nudges me. You need to go make it right. So I have to go to this person and say, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong in saying this about the other person. I don't actually know their story. I was wrong. Sorry. Can you relate? These are things that bring you away from the pit, turn you away. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and who redeems your life from the pit. Let's continue this metaphor to help you remember. It's a way of remembering. So what are some of the activities that you do in this house? So some of them are on the board there. The study. This could be the very first room to visit. Pour over God's word. Keep your heart, mind, and, and mind open as you read. If you're new to this room, if you haven't really spent time in Scripture, start with the Gospel of John. Be quick to repent, pray, and be quick to go to the next few rooms. The kitchen. That's a place where you can do works of love for others, kind of like what Kyla is talking about. Doing works. Taking action. Remember, we don't confirm good works to get in the house. Remember, Jesus did that. But we do works because God first loved us, and we love the people that God loves. The workshop, don't be surprised if you have temptations to do evil when you dwell in the house. So in the workshop, you need to do some work with the nasty bits in your life. You need to pray. Be specific in your prayers. And know, know this, there's good news. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit there to help us, beside us, your advocate. The living room, Kyla was talking about that too where tell your story, connect with people, encourage them, listen to them. The bedroom, it was supposed to be a place of rest, or it is supposed to be a place of rest. The Old Testament actually talks a lot about rest. It's a big deal. The bedroom is also a place of purity. The sunroom, this is a place where you can just spend time soaking in God's warmth. Pray and connect with God. So here's a really... Uh, a really good thing to say in the sunroom. You can say, Lord, what's on your heart today? So I find that when I spend time with God in the sunroom, it makes more think, more, I feel more of those nudgings from God. You know, the ones to avoid the sin and the, he causes other things to happen. So listen here, this is important. This is important. God wants you to dwell in his house, to live with him. So then you might be thinking to yourself, you might be thinking, um, John, why are you talking about this dwelling stuff all the time? The verses about uh, the pit and stuff. Well, here's the thing. Dwelling with God is more important than the pain that you have. So start there, my friend. And as it turns out, as it turns out, God will work through your pain towards a beautiful transformation. Then you might say, um, John, I don't, uh, I, you don't know all the things I'm dealing with. I don't have time for this. Well, I hear you, my friend. Just, just keep on listening here. So I have this two-year-old grandson. 
he's really cute. He doesn't say many words. He makes up some words. And then he comes up to us and says, we, we go to him and say, do you want a snack? And then he says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's basically saying, yes, I want a snack. Yes, I'm excited about the snack. Yes, let's do it. That's what I feel like in response to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, for redeems your life from the pit. So my grandson doesn't understand many things, but he knows when he sees or tastes a good thing. So what does it feel like? What does it look like? What does it taste like when you actually start walking with God? What are the results, the outcomes? You'll find that you actually think less about yourself and more about God and others. God changes your heart. What else comes as a result of this? You will bear fruit. In the Gospel of John, it records that Jesus said that he is the vine. He's the main trunk. And we are, do you know what we're supposed to do? How do we connect? If you're older, you might think that, use the word, uh, what is it, abide? And for the younger generation, because the newer translations talk about that you're supposed to remain, it's actually the word dwell, too. It can be translated. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to dwell with Jesus. And what does it say in John? In John, it talks about we will bear much fruit. And apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That's extreme words of truth. So what else, does the, what else are the other results or the outcome of walking with God? You'll be at peace and you'll have joy. I'm often surprised at the peace and joy that God gives me. I recall a time that I could, I could have been really stressful on me. My lovely wife, she was two weeks away from delivering, not two weeks, two months, two months before we were going to have our firstborn child. I just finished University of Ontario. We came to this place called Winnipeg. Never been really this Winnipeg place. And we gave a deadline. By Friday, if we don't get a job by this day, then we'll just go back to Ontario. All the friends and family, they were nervous for us and they were all worried or whatever. And I was at complete calm. God's got this. In addition, God gave me a job at 6 p.m. on the Friday. So, do you want some peace? You want some joy? What else is a result of it? You will gradually lose your luggage, just like at the airport. I'm kidding. Um, but you will, things will get better, you see. So God will utilize your experiences and turn them into many good things. He transforms your brokenness into good. He can actually take your backpack and turn it into an umbrella or something or your suitcase and make it as a platform for love. That's the opposite of the pit. That is life. So here's an example. I can recall times when I've been really lonely in my life. So in grade 13, in Ontario, grade 13, yes, um, I was there in a new city by myself. My parents were down in Florida doing some business, big house by myself. Um, if you've ever been lonely, you'll know that it's a very powerful force. So now through this, experience, I am now more sensitive to people that are lonely. In the story of Boaz and Ruth, the scriptures show that their son Obed became the grandfather to David, the one who wrote Psalm 103. Ruth and Obed are in the line of Jesus, and this is probably one of the very many, one of the things that came out of Ruth's redeemed story. You too have a story, but it isn't over yet. And as you go to the different rooms, 
As you dwell with God, God does this. He reveals your glory, and God is our, our Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. May your glory shine. So, the message puts it this way in Romans 5. It's so, this is a good summary. I'll read. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, he is set right with him. He makes us fit for him. We have it all together because God or because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment he has already thrown open the doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide spaces for God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting praise. Ah, but there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise when we are hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and that patience then turns and forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round enough containers to hold everything that God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to uh, end with some practical advice and uh, some scripture. So is this something that you want? Do you want to walk and dwell? Is God nudging you in any way? Maybe in the next few days, do something about it. So my advice is, ask a mature Christian to help you dwell with God. Or you can join a life group here at Fort Gary or reach out to a pastor, yes. Um, but be bold, take some steps. Nothing is standing in your way. If you have pain, then this is the perfect time to dwell with God. Romans 8 says this, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He came into this world to save you, not to condemn you, but he will condemn you if you don't enter his dwelling. So here's the question. The question is at hand. Do you want to dwell with God? Do you want to walk with him? Would you allow God to change your heart or to work through your pain to do good? Do you want that? Lord, I ask that you help all of us. Lord, show us your heart. Show us the way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who redeems your life from the pit. Amen.